morning, everyone. It's a joy to uh, worship Christ with you this morning. I want to thank the praise team, and uh, thank you, Francis, for presiding for us and for praying for the South Africa team. Our hearts are truly uh, in prayer for them this week. Let's be reminded to continue to pray uh, this upcoming week. If you have your Bibles this morning, I'd like you to open them to the fourth chapter of the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 4. And we're going to be looking at two precious verses in this chapter from Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 to 7. This is uh, two verses that have been often quoted. They have been often memorized. I would encourage you, if you have not memorized these verses, that you would be uh, wise to do so because they are some of the most precious instructions to us that are found in the Word of God, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 to 7. Paul writes this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I've entitled this, Message, Overcoming Worry and Sinful Anxiety. Overcoming Worry and Sinful Anxiety. Because that is exactly what this passage is about. It is about dealing with worry. It is about dealing with the anxiety that is in our hearts. It is about dealing with the burdensome cares that you and I carry with us oftentimes in our lives. We all deal with worry. We all battle the sin of anxiety. And we battle this sin on many different levels. For some of us, that sometimes it is a very intense battle. Anxiety can even give rise to such intense conflict of soul that There are even panic attacks that are experienced even by the believer in Christ. And maybe it's not so much of an intense manifestation, but it might be just a low-level, prolonged state of worry that doesn't really show up in any great ways, but it just saps your joy. You're just walking through the Christian life with a state of burden, a heart that's weighed down and distracted by the cares of this world. And whatever level that you and I deal with anxiety and worry, the Bible has a lot to say about it. And the Bible deals with this whole issue of worry and anxiety in a way that is both realistic and also hopeful. I'm here to give you hope this morning. I'm here to share with you as a fellow Christian, as one who myself struggles with anxiety and worry. And I've, um, seems like the older I get, the more this is a battle. I remember being in my early 20s and not really having too much anxiety. I mean, I was anxious about a few things, but really not 
that concern. I didn't have a wife. I didn't have children. I didn't have responsibilities. I didn't have a job. and That was no problem. I didn't have money. I just, my attitude was, you know, if I have no money, I'll eat apples or I'll eat my roommate's food. I'll sleep on my friend's couch. Uh, if you would have told me back in those days, Dan, you need to get life insurance, I would say, what do I need life insurance for? I, if I die, I go to heaven. And life was not that burdensome. And, you know, when you get older and as you take on more responsibilities in life, the temptation to become anxious and the temptation to become burdened becomes more intense. And this battle against anxiety can become even uh, reach very intense levels. I remember a few years ago battling worry and anxiety to the point where I shut down. I, I felt like I could not function. I could not move or make a step forward because it was just such an intense battle. And I actually had to have another believer pray for me and to help me through that time. This is um, a common battle for all of us. And it was really my heart to finish um, all of chapters 4, verses 1 to 9. This is um, the conclusion of Paul. This is his final exhortations to the Philippian church. And it was really my heart to get through this passage. But as I really thought about our church and thought about your lives and thought about the many conversations that I've had with many of you at our church, I felt the need to just camp on these two verses. Because I know for many of you, this is what you're struggling with. I've talked to some of the engaged couples, and you would think that once you're engaged, that, well, life is good, and everything is anxiety-free from here on out. And I realized that for many of you, this is a time of worry and anxiety about the future. And I've talked to many parents and to many of you parents, and you're just burdened. You're burdened about your kids. You're burdened if you're going to make it through the week. You're burdened about the future. And you're just struggling with this. You're burdened over how you're going to provide. I've, I've talked to many of the, the singles in our church. And you have burdens about what God's doing in your life. You're burdened about how God's leading you. And, and you just can be tempted to have a, an anxious spirit. And I'm just here to encourage you from God's word that if you're struggling with this sin, if you're struggling with this temptation, that you're not alone. This is a temptation that is common to all believers in Christ. And it's a temptation that God's word addresses. You know, the good news is that according to God's word, we don't need to be mastered by this sin. We don't need to be, live our lives under a constant state of worry. Because of the work of Christ on the cross, because of his death and resurrection on our behalf, Christ has broken the power of sin over our lives and we can live in victory over the sin of anxiety. And that's not to say that it happens automatically or that it happens easily. But the power of sin has been broken because of Christ's death and his resurrection. 
And if we give heed to God's word, God promises us victory over anxiety. Jesus said in Matthew 6, verse 25, Therefore, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. We think of the words of the Apostle Peter who said in 1 Peter 5, verse 7, that we are to cast our anxieties on him. We are literally to throw our anxieties at the feet of Jesus. We are to confess that we are not strong enough to bear them on our own, but that he is strong enough to bear them on our behalf. And the Bible is just so realistic and real life with this. The psalmists speak so often of wrestling with a troubled heart or a troubled soul. Psalm 55 verse 1, the psalmist said, Attend to me and answer me, for I am restless in my heart. I complain and I moan. Psalm 43, verse 5, the psalmist said, Why are you so cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? If you're wrestling with just a heart that is in turmoil, a heart that's agitated, you're not alone. Join the common struggle of all the saints and all the redemptive history. The scriptures tell us we live in a world of trouble. We live in a world where we will be tempted to worry. John 14, 1, Jesus said, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Paul even said in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 28, that those who marry will have worldly troubles. You know, there's a special temptation, a special burden for those who are married to be anxious and to be worried about worldly cares. And yet, in the midst of all this, the Bible gives us hope. There is a peace that can be experienced by every believer in Christ. There is a peace of God, which Paul says is a peace that surpasses all understanding. Isaiah 26, verse 3 says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. And Jesus said in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. There is a peace that it can be experienced by every true believer in Christ. It is a peace that surpasses all understanding, all human ability to reason or to explain. It is a peace that is given from a gracious God to children that he loves, that guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And this peace, dear brothers and sisters, is meant to be experienced by you and me today. It is meant to be experienced by you and me this week. It is meant to be experienced even in the midst of our trials and in the midst of our troubles and in the midst of our uncertainties and in the midst of all that we struggle with life. God says there is peace that will guard our hearts, that will guard our minds in Christ Jesus. 
This morning, I want us to look at Philippians 4, verses 6 to 7. I just want us to see three simple points in this passage as God leads us to his peace and guards us against anxiety. First of all, I want us to see the problem of anxiety. Second, I want us to see the prescription for anxiety. And then thirdly, I'd like us to see the promise of God concerning anxiety. So first, let's look at the problem. The problem of anxiety. Paul says in verse 6, Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. And here Paul points out the problem that all Christians deal with. It is the temptation to become anxious and worried in this world. The word anxious here translates the Greek term merimnao. It it describes an anxious kind of care, a burdened heart, a troubled spirit. Jesus used this word back in Matthew 6, verse 34, saying, Do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. One of the main reasons why we become anxious is because we are thinking down the road to future events which may or may not happen. And we're just living in the future and future possibilities. And Jesus says, my grace is given to you one day at a time. It's like the Israelites in the Old Testament. The manna was given one day at a time. And God gives us grace to live our lives one day at a time. And so Jesus says, don't be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow will be anxious for itself. You'll remember the words of Jesus in Luke 10, 41, where he said to Martha, he said, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about so many things. Martha was trying to serve God. She was trying to do good things for Christ. She was serving. She was preparing food and Her heart was just so distracted and her heart was so anxious about this and that. And Jesus says, Martha, out of love, she says, he says, Martha, you're so anxious. Why are you so troubled in heart? You're missing the best thing. You're missing me. You're missing your relationship with who I am. The word anxious basically describes a troubled heart. It is a heart that is so burdened by the cares of this world that it loses its peace and it loses its tranquility. 1 Peter chapter 3 talks about how a godly woman has a gentle and quiet spirit. And it's not talking there so much about quietness of personality, but it's talking about quietness of soul, quietness of heart. That's the heart of a godly woman that is precious in the sight of God. And the idea there is that a godly woman trusts God so that her heart is at rest. It is at rest in his purposes. It is at rest knowing his provision. But the anxious heart is a heart of turbulence and a heart that is agitated. Psalm 131 is one of my favorite psalms. It describes a heart that is free from anxiety. David says there, 
O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child with its, with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. You say, Dan, I'd love to experience a heart like that. Just a heart at peace, a heart at rest, a heart that is leaning with confidence upon my God. But Dan, my heart is easily unsettled, is easily agitated. And oftentimes I find that I lose this peace. You know, I just want to encourage you again that I'm coming to you as one who struggles with this issue myself. Just this last week, I was experiencing just this low-level sense of worry about my children. And parents, maybe you can relate with me. It's nothing major going on, no major problems, but just you can sit back and just think about your children, your thoughts just kind of go to the future and what's going to happen if this happens and what's going to happen if that happens and if... If they go down this path, then what's going to... And your mind can just go down all these different roads and all of a sudden you feel your heart just clenching up within you. And you're just anxious. And how am I going to control all of this to make it turn out right? And I was realizing that I was doing what David says he was not doing. I was dealing with things that are too great for me. You know, the future is it's too great for us. All the future possibilities and all the future outcomes, that's God's business. We, we, those are subjects that are beyond our control. And I had to come with David and to say, Lord, I'm not going to deal with things that are too great for me. I'm going to just quiet my soul before you. I'm going to be still and know that you are God. And in that place, I began to find peace. I know what it's like to struggle with financial worry. I, I know what it's like to have your checking account dwindle down to almost nothing and wonder how am I going to pay the rent next week. I know what it's like to wrestle with, just worry about the future, worry about relationships. And I want to tell us this morning that there is hope. There is hope. Jesus said in Matthew 6, verse 31, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? And then he gave the reason why we can live without anxiety. Listen to this. He says, Therefore do not be anxious, believer in Christ. Why? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, but your heavenly Father knows that you need them. The key truth to understand in our battle against anxiety is that we as believers in Christ have a heavenly Father. And our Heavenly Father knows our needs. And our Heavenly Father is committed to meet our needs. We don't live as the unbelievers live. If I'm an unbeliever in this world, I've got to fend for myself. 
I got to figure things out. I got to make everything turn out right. If I'm an unbeliever in this world, I have to make sure all my bases are covered because I have no heavenly father who is committed to me. But if you are a believer in Christ, you have a father and he loves you and he is committed to you and he has promised to take care of you and he has never given up on that. He has never failed in that promise. Jesus said, look at the birds of the air. Look at the flowers of the field. If God so takes care of flowers and birds, how will he not also take care of us? The bottom line is that living with anxiety is living with an orphan mentality. When you live with anxiety in this life, you are living as if you have no father. I mean, I remember when I was five years old, I had no care in the world. I just ran around and broke stuff and ate stuff, and I just was happy. I didn't worry about stuff. I didn't worry about interest rates or inflation or gas prices. Why? Because I had a father, an earthly father, who was committed to take care of me. And what Jesus is saying in this text is how much more ought we as children of God live in peace because we have a heavenly father who is committed to meet our needs. Romans 8.32, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? If God loved us so much that he gave us his son, if God loved us so much that he spared not his son, do you think he'll withhold from you bread? or clothing, or a roof over your head? Will he not give us everything that we need? And Jesus said in Matthew 6, do not be anxious. And then he said, O ye of little faith. O ye of little faith. That's the real issue, isn't it? When we are anxious and we are worried, we are demonstrating the smallness of our faith. We are demonstrating that we have little faith in the provision of God. We have little faith in the sovereignty of God. We have little faith in the faithful care of God. And that is why we are anxious and why we are worried. And so Paul echoes the words of Jesus in Philippians 4 verse 6 and he says to the church, do not be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. Now that's a, That's a comprehensive verse. You will note that it does not read, do not be anxious about most things or do not be anxious about the big things. Paul says here, be not anxious for anything, anything that could potentially cause us to worry or to be anxious is covered in the sweeping exhortation of this verse. This includes big things like earthquakes or terrorist attacks or war or economic trouble, recession, and includes small things like car troubles, like that knock you are hearing in your engine 
of your car that started to make you worried and upset. It includes small things like unreasonable bosses. For some of us, that's not a small thing. That's the big thing. It's your unreasonable boss. But it includes that. It includes things like midterms and final exams, even the midterms that you didn't study for. Now, I'll just caution you here. I'm encouraging you to study for your midterms. Some of you students, may, you, you may just have gotten anxious right now because you realize, I have a midterm next week. I didn't study for it. Well, this, apply this passage right now. It includes tests and exams. This verse addresses marriage troubles. It, it addresses parenting troubles. It addresses dating relationships, which can be a source of anxiety. It addresses bereavement, financial difficulty, all of these things. Anything that you could possibly be anxious about is covered in verse 6 because the exhortation is comprehensive. Be anxious for nothing. And what Paul is saying here in verse 6 is something that is very encouraging. He is saying that no anxiety no matter how big or no matter how small, needs to be our lot in life. No anxiety needs to master us. You might be saying, I understand, Dan. I I'm not anxious about many things, but you know, when, it comes to, when it comes to my finances, this, this just really gets me anxious. Or when it comes to my schooling, this, this really gets me anxious. And Paul is saying, no, no anxiety needs to be your master. You can live in peace under any circumstance because the peace that God gives is supernatural. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. And God will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. We must recognize that anxiety is a sin that needs to be repented of. It is an expression of the smallness of our faith. And I'll just ask you this morning as a shepherd, what are the things that are causing you to be anxious? What are the things that are troubling your soul this morning? If you could boil it down to the top three concerns on your heart, what are those things that are causing you to lose your joy? And the good news is that Paul doesn't just tell us to stop being anxious. He tells us exactly and practically how to deal with this sin. Verse 6, he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And so we move from the first point, the problem, to the second point, the prescription. The prescription for an anxious heart. And put simply, what Paul prescribes for, as a remedy for anxiety, is prayer. It is prayer by which we battle anxiety. Paul says, in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. And I will just camp on that word everything for a moment. The everything in verse 6 runs parallel to the anything at the beginning of the verse. Paul is saying, don't be anxious for anything but pray about everything. In other words, anything that you can be anxious about is also something that you can pray about. 
any issue in life that might tempt you to a state of worry and fear is an occasion for prayer. In everything, let your request be made known to God. Now this opens up to us a whole world of prayer that I believe many of us have just only begun to scratch the surface. Some of us have an over-spiritualized view of prayer that is entirely disconnected from our practical lives. It's as if prayer is like this beautiful religious relic and we bring it out to bring decoration to our lives. But when it comes to just how we live at work and at school and in our apartments, in our homes, it has no bearing upon everyday living. And what Paul is saying is that prayer is to be interwoven with the daily anxieties of life. It is then in everything, in in every occasion that would cause us to worry, we are to bring prayer into, to bear upon that situation. When Paul says that in everything, by prayer and supplication, we are to make our request known to God, he is giving us license to pray about that coworker who's driving you nuts at work. He's giving us license to pray about the stresses at your job. He's giving you license to pray about your exam or to pray about your phone bill. You know, I pray about my car, my trusted geo Prism, still going strong after 15 years. Mina and I, we, we did our honeymoon in that car, drove it up the coast, and it's after four kids later, still going strong as a rock. And maybe, you know, I'm a believer, so maybe prayer has something to do with that because I pray for my car. Like the more miles it gets, the more I pray. And sometimes we'll be driving that car up a hill, and boy, I'm, I'm praying that we're going to make it. And I got kids in the back, and Lord, get this car over the hill, please. I've shared with you before that I pray about my keys. I have a really bad habit, drives my wife crazy. I lose my keys. I I don't put them in one place. I leave them all around the house, and sometimes I just get anxious because where's my key? I got to get somewhere. Where's my where my keys? And I'm sending my kids around the house. Find my keys, and they don't know where it is. They're looking under everything, and and um, I've learned I can pray. Lord, help me find my keys. It's one of those short, brief prayers. You just arrow prayers to heaven. Lord, I need my keys. And um, Francis at the the Christmas gift exchange gave me a key finder. It's it's one of those beepers you put on your key, and then you clap, and then the the thing beeps, and so you can find it. And I said, oh, that's the answer to my problems. And then I got home and opened it, and it didn't really work. And... um, (laughs) Maybe Francis will give me uh, another one next year. But um, you're supposed to clap and then it beeps, but uh, my, my kids found out that if you cough at a certain decibel, then it beeps. And so, I mean, I didn't want to go around the house like coughing to try to find my keys. So I just took it that, you know, the Lord just, he still wants me to pray. I mean, I, you can pray about anything, anything. That would 
that you can be worried about is something you can pray about. And, and you might be saying, Dan, it, but these are such small things. I mean, God is interested in big things, right? He's interested in global missions, and he's, he's interested in worldwide famine, and he doesn't care about my keys. And, and I remember my seminary professor telling us, who was a great prayer warrior, telling us it's all small to God. Everything is small to God. The point is that he cares for you. And the point is that you can cast your anxieties upon him. The question I want to ask you this morning, dear Christian, is simply, do you pray? Do you pray? You know, we could talk about the theory of prayer all we want. We can talk about teaching on prayer all that we want. We can talk about all the nuances and the ins and outs of prayer. We can have great insights and discussions on how prayer is so necessary. But the bottom line is this, is as believers, do you pray? And are you praying about the concerns that are most on your heart? Or is it that your heart is filled with these concerns and these anxieties, but your prayers are completely disconnected from those things? I mean, in real life, you're... You're anxious about your marriage and, and you're anxious about your job and you're anxious about your, how your school is going. But your prayers have nothing to do with what's really on your heart. Are you praying about the issues that are really weighing down your soul? Because Paul says, don't be anxious about anything, but pray about everything. Everything is an occasion for prayer. And this connects us to the teaching of Matthew chapter 6 because when Jesus says, you are those of little faith, that's why you're anxious. And, and prayer is an expression of our faith. Prayer is a means of cultivating our faith. Prayer is a means of growing in our faith. It is because of our faith that we pray. And as we pray, God's peace comes to us. You know, I've never met a Christian who was filled with anxiety and at the same time was filled with prayer. I mean, the two don't coexist. If you're anxious and you're worried, you can trace it back to the fact that you're probably not praying about those issues that are most on your heart. And God calls us by his grace to cast our anxieties on him, throw them at his feet, take it like, a football, like Eli Manning. He just chuck that thing. Throw your anxieties to God through prayer. Paul calls us not just for any kind of prayer, but a specific kind of prayer. In verse 6, he says, In everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. He uses three synonymous words here, all of which emphasize one aspect of prayer. The word Prayer here can be translated petition. It is used in the New Testament for a believer asking of God. The word supplication means to make requests. It describes the act of making specific requests to God. And then the word requests is in the plural form, indicating that we are not only asking God and making requests, but we are asking God for many requests. We're just bringing a whole bunch of requests to God, and we are letting them be made known to God. These three words emphasize one aspect of prayer, which is so practical, and that is the aspect of prayer in which we ask. Brothers and sisters, we need to ask. We need 
Ask God concerning the things that burden our hearts the most. You've heard the old acronym, A-C-T-S, ACTS. Or some of us prefer C-A-T-S, CATS. Confession, adoration, thanksgiving, supplication. And, and this verse is emphasizing the last element, the supplication, the asking, the part of prayer where we ask of God. And this has to be one of the most encouraging truths in all the Bible, that the God of the universe, the God who reigns on high, the high and holy God who is mighty and reigns over all things, invites us as his children to come and to ask. We are called to ask. And God is so intent on getting us to ask, he has loaded down the scriptures with encouragements to ask. Matthew 7, verse 7, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. John 14, 13, whatever you ask in my name, this will I do. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. James 1, 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask. Ask of God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. And 1 John 5.14 says, this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything in his will, he hears us. Listen, the reason why we are anxious is because we are not asking. James 4.2 says that you have not because you ask not. And it's because we are not asking that our hearts are troubled. It's because we are not asking that our hearts are distracted. It's because we are not asking that our hearts are not at peace. Because if we asked, and the peace of God would come and would guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. John Newton said this, Come my soul, thy suit prepare, soul prepare. Jesus loves to answer prayer. He himself has bid thee pray, therefore will not say thee nay. Thou art coming to a king. Large petitions would thee bring. For his grace and power are such. None can ever ask too much. Many times we do not ask because we believe we don't need to ask. Many times we do not ask because we've been infected by the American can-do spirit. We can take care of it ourselves. We have the resources on our own. Brothers and sisters, show me a man who is asking of God, and I will show you a man who is a humble man. Show me a Christian who is, is not asking, and I will show you a Christian who is filled with pride. Because that pride has deluded him into thinking that he has no reason or need to ask. Psalm 62 verse 8 says, Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. When is the last time, Christian, that you poured out your heart to God? That you just took out all your concerns and numbered them one by one and unfolded them before the living God and asked God to do something in those issues. Psalm 142 verse 2 I pour out my complaint before him. I tell my trouble before him. You know, my room at home has a door, and I like to shut it. 
I have four children, and sometimes I need a little peace and quiet. So I like to shut my door and just have a moment of peace. But none of my children have a conscience. They have no trouble barging through that door at any time. And usually they have a number of requests. Dad, I'm hungry. Dad, I need help with my homework. Dad, I need to go to the library. Dad, I need to go to the toy store. Really? You need to go to the toy store? Right? You bother me for that? Dad, I, I mean, they have tons of requests. They have no trouble just barging through that door. They don't even knock. They just come right on in. And sometimes, because I just really need some peace and quiet, I will actually lock the door. I'll kind of chuckle to myself. So get them. They can't get in. And to show you the hardness of my children's conscience, they will come to the door and they will scream their request through the door. Dad, are you in there? Dad, I need help on my homework. And they will knock on that door until that door is opened. You know, I believe that this is the spirit where God is calling us as his children to come and to ask, to be shameless and bold. And God is not like an earthly father. He does not need a moment of quiet. We cannot wear out his ear. He, his ear is available to us 24-7. We will never ask too much and we will never ask for too much. He is our heavenly father. And so Paul says, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. And then he instructs us to come with and ask with a spirit of thanksgiving. He says, in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. That's so key. You know, ACTS, the acronym, A-C-T-S, it is adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And I found, I've used that acronym for years in my own prayer life, and I found that that T, that thanksgiving, is some of the sweetest times of prayer. Where you're just thanking God for all the ways that he's blessed your life. Thanksgiving has been called the act of rehearsed blessing. In Thanksgiving, we rehearse and recount the specific blessings that God has poured upon our lives. And we thank God for spiritual blessings like our salvation. We thank God for the great work that he has done in the cross of his son, Jesus Christ. And then we just thank God for the specific blessings that he has given to us recently. We thank God for that brother who sent us an encouraging email. And just thank God for that brother, that, for the grace that was in that moment. We, we thank God for the members of our care group and for the specific ways that we see God working in their lives. We thank God for specific truths that we are learning from his word. We thank God for the mundane things. Like when my car does get over the hill, I say a word of thanksgiving after my word of supplication. And we thank God for things like the food on our table and the roof over our heads and the clothes on our back because that is all an expression of God's grace toward us. Psalm 103 verse 1 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, 
and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. The problem is anxiety. The prescription is thankful prayer. And that leads us to the third point, which is possibly my favorite point of all, and that is the promise. And the promise is peace. The promise is peace. Paul says, verse 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Dear brothers and sisters, this is a promise of God that you and I need to claim this week. This is a promise that you need to take out when you're discouraged or when you're distracted. This is a promise that you need to put to the test and see if it is not so. See if this does not come true. Paul says that if the Christian responds to his anxieties with grateful prayer, asking of God to meet his needs, that the peace of God, the peace that comes from God, the peace that is God's gift to his child will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That word guard is a military term. It spoke of a military garrison which surrounded a city. The Philippians had a Roman garrison which surrounded their city. And it guarded the city against attack. And Paul is using this word picture to describe how the peace of God comes from on high into our lives, surrounds our hearts and our minds, and that guards our thoughts and our attitudes from anxiety and from worry. J.C. Ryle has written that there are shalls and wills in God's treasury for every condition. There are an abundance of promises supplied by God in his word. God promises strength for duty, comfort in trouble, guidance in perplexity, help in sickness, consolation in death. His promises are so abundant that we fail to even conceive of them. And this, dear brothers and sisters, is one such promise. God promises the peace of God, that it will come to guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And would you notice that this peace surpasses all understanding? It is humanly unexplainable. It cannot be explained away by human resources. It is a gift of grace to the child of God. And Paul says that this peace comes to us. Notice that last phrase, in Christ Jesus. It comes to us Because of our union with Christ. In our salvation, we were united with Christ in his death and his resurrection. And it's because we are in Christ that God grants us his peace. The peace that surpasses all understanding. Verse 7 says that the peace of God will be with you. It will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And then in verse 9, Paul says that the God of peace will be with you. God will give you his peace and God will give you himself. Brothers and sisters, I believe that what God is calling us as a church this morning 
and in this season of our church's ministry is to pray. I believe that God is calling us to pray as individuals and to pray as a church. I believe God is calling us to pray because for our own peace, for the peace of our own hearts, for the peace of our own souls, so that our hearts and our minds will be guarded from the many anxieties and worries that we may face. And I believe one practical exhortation that comes from this text, one application that I would bring to your hearts this morning, that we need to pray at all times, but we especially need to pray when we don't feel like praying. You know, when you're anxious and when you're worried and when you're upset, when you're fretting about life, that is the time when you least feel like praying. And yet, dear brothers and sisters, that is a time when you most need to pray. Spurgeon said that we should pray when we are in a praying mood for it would be sinful to neglect so fair an opportunity. And we should pray when we are not in a proper mood for it would be dangerous to remain in so unhealthy a condition. And so let us be anxious for nothing. Let us pray about everything. Let us pray with thanksgiving because of God's grace to us that the peace of God would guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Let's bow in prayer together and give God thanks for this time. Our Father, we thank you so much for your precious word and for how it is the food that feeds our souls and how we see in your word your shepherding heart toward us. We believe that through this text that you desire to care for our souls, that you desire to give us your peace. And Lord, I just pray for every believer here this morning, every Christian here, Lord, I pray that the peace of God would guard their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus. I pray that if there's any here this morning who have not yet placed their faith in Jesus Christ, Lord, give them grace that they may come and experience your peace. Let them come to you confess their sin, repent of their sins, and trust in the saving work of Christ, that that your peace will be given to them as well. Thank you for this time. Help us to be faithful to all that we've heard. In Christ's name, amen.